Welcome to the Build My Online Store podcast, where we discuss everything and anything about running an online store. If you like the podcast, sign up for the mailing list to get news and updates at buildmyonlinestore.com. And now, here's your host, Terry Lynn. Welcome to episode 18 of the Build My Online Store podcast. I'm your host, Terry. And this week, we'll be talking about having the right mindset for marketing your business online with Tim Reed from Australia's number one small business podcast, Small Business Big Marketing. And Tim also hosts the Freedom Ocean podcast with James Shremko. And so I've been a big fan of Tim's shows for about half a year now. And so the goal of his show is to help listeners get inspiration and action from the guests he interviews. And he's interviewed over 100 small businesses all around the world. And I thought it'd be great to have him on the show to tell us what he's learned from talking to all these business owners that are just killing it online with their marketing. But before we start, we have another iTunes review from Bugsy347, and she says, Love this podcast. Great job on this podcast, Terry. I am an aspiring e-commerce businesswoman, and I've been learning a lot from listening. I like how you cover a very wide range of businesses in many fields. A lot of other podcasts only talk about making money online by talking about making money online. These real-life examples are much better. Keep up the good work. Well, thanks so much, Bugsy. I'm sure that's not your name, but uh, certainly do shoot me an email if you want to discuss about this podcast further, uh, terry at buildmyonlinestore.com. And with that being said, let's just get into today's show. Today, I have a special guest, Tim Reed from Australia's number one small business marketing podcast, Small Business Big Marketing, on the show where we're going to talk about marketing your business online. What's going on, Tim? G'day, Terry. How are you? Hey, how's it going? I'm good, mate. Yeah. All right. All right. So I know you've been doing marketing for about 20 years. Kind of how did you start out and how did you end up online in the marketing world? I, I did marketing straight out of school, Went did marketing at university, out of uni, went and worked at a large advertising agency for 10 years. Out of that, needed to become more than just an ad man, so, or a madman, as someone, as some would call us. Um, became the marketing manager for a large travel agency in Australia called Flight Centre, the global travel agency. And by that time, I was like 15 years into corporate and a bit jack of it a bit kind of jack of the whole corporate life, but loved marketing and loved um, every now and then I'd talk to a small business owner who was so responsive to the advice that I could give them at a marketing level. And I loved that. I love their ability to move fast. I love their thirst for the information. So I thought, ah, okay, so there's an interesting audience. They're hard to get to small businesses because they don't have a lot of dough, but they're also, they're, they're very interested in what you've got to say. So off the back of that, what I also observed and kind of one, but the premise from which I come is that there's never been a better time to market a small business right now uh, in today's day and age because of the all the opportunities that there are out there to get your message across. So and and most of them live online. You know those new and I'm not just talking about social media. I mean podcasting. My God, I can't believe that people like you and I. One men show can have a, one men shows can have their own show. You know, I just I love that, and so that's a very brief story of how I got into marketing, and and subsequently the online thing is. Um, you, at the at the end of the day, you know, you are who Google says you are. Exactly. Yeah, and what's crazy is that my show is only probably four months old. And I look at the stats, there's like downloads in like 55 countries or like places I've even never been. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> 
I, I did that. Um, I don't look at my stats enough, but I know a couple of months ago I looked and uh, I was downloaded that for, for the most recent episode in 94 countries, and it's it's hilarious. And I'm proud to say Kazakhstan was one of them. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like Laos. I'm like, who who's even doing yeah, e-commerce yeah. in Laos, right? Yeah. You kind of wish you could go, gee, I wish I had those people's emails because like in some of the countries that I was being downloaded, it was like five downloads. It was like, gee... Sure, I had their email so I could send them a thank you. Yeah, exactly. And it's crazy because, you know, anyone can have a global reach now. Like, whereas, like, you know, 10, 15 years ago, you need to get syndicated across radio channels, countries just to even get anywhere, right? Yep. Yeah, look, I honestly, um, anyone listening to this, I'm gathering they're going to be a small business owner, an internet marketer, uh, someone who's wanting to, what I would say, punch above their marketing weight. You know, believe us when we say that there has never been a better time to market a small business. And you just got to know what you do. You know, there's like the three things that all small business owners tell me that stop them doing great marketing, Terry, is lack of time, lack of money, lack of knowledge, right? Lack of knowledge comes through listening to stuff like this and just educating yourself. So, you know, tick that box. That's not that hard. Read more, visit more, talk more, listen, you know, watch more. Lack of um, time, you know, find it. Cross stuff off that isn't producing a result and you've, you've, you've got to find, you've got to put time aside to invest in your marketing and lack of money. Well, that'll come if you do the other two things, you know, and um, many think that, you know, a lot of those online things that we talk about, oh, they're free. You know, I've got to get on Twitter because it's free. Well, it might not cost money, but it costs time and nothing's free. So if you're not willing to invest money, then you've got to be willing to roll the sleeves up and, and invest time. Yeah, exactly. And so let's back up a little bit. So how have you seen the marketing industry change in the past, say, five to 10 years from, you know, when everything was offline in corporate to like online now? Yeah. So um, what I see is quantitatively, there's more, you know, the opportunities are, are everywhere now. So having grown up in a, in a large advertising agency environment and just looking at what I'd call old school marketing communications, you know, small businesses, businesses generally, they could advertise, they could direct market, they could sponsor, they could run an expo, They're kind of big things that required big budgets. What I've seen is this proliferation of other channels to get your message out. And, and I'm talking things like, you know, that old school stuff plus, and, and the old school stuff, we're seeing a lot of niching down too. So, you know, where it used to be the big broadcast networks for TV and radio, you're now starting to get digital radio stations and and, and more niche TV stations, even in Australia. I'm sure overseas, it's, it's, it's even more so. And then we get, you know, things like podcasting, things like video marketing, Things like, you know, all the different social media channels of which, you know, don't know about where you are, but here it's, you know, there are those five, you know, the five common ones in Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, maybe Pinterest in there, or maybe Google Plus, you know, but they're bright, shiny objects, I call them. <laughs> Very distracting. But there's, there's just this proliferation of things. And then, you know, even just the ability to connect at a global level, like you were, before we were hit record, where you were talking about, you know, this, these mastermind groups that you sit on and and just that ability to connect globally with other people like yourself is is amazing. Yeah, and I guess, you know, as an entrepreneur starting out, you know, back then, it's a, it's a very lonely job, right? I mean, people think you're crazy, you know, no one supports you, but and now you can just find instantly people around the world who share the same mentality. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, like Seth Godin wrote that book called We're All Weird, which was basically that, is that based on that whole premise, is that no longer do we have to tune in 
to stuff that may or may not be of interest. And so what he means by that is, you know, like, you know, get home of an evening and turn on the TV in the hope that there's something of interest. But now, you know, you don't even rely on that. You know, it's like you just get online to your favorite podcast or your favorite YouTube channel or there will be something of interest. And his kind of concept of we're all weird is that no matter how weird your interest is, there will be someone producing content that fits the bill. I guess since everyone can do it now, it makes it harder to stand out too, right? What are your thoughts on that? Oh, yeah. So the way I see it, and and I'm seeing this, how how long have you been podcasting, Terry? God, probably four months, five months. So exactly what proves my point, which is these days we should be considering, we small business owners should look at ourselves as publishers of really good content and not pushers of advertising messages. And I, you know, I knew, I knew I was going to lose my track of thought. Then, what, what your question was this concept of? In- yeah, we, we were talking about how to stand out since everyone can market online now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've got to publish good quality content that appeals to our prospects in order for them to go. You know what? He or she really knows their stuff. I'm going to engage more with them, and in the hope that, and then we hope that at some point they'll transact with us. What I'm seeing is that it's now easier, it's getting easier and easier and easier to create a podcast. You know, three years ago when I started podcasting, it was relatively hard and technical. And now there's so many bits of software out there and and things have become so much cheaper that it's easier. Three, five, 10 years ago, the idea of publishing a book was relatively complicated and you probably needed to go to a publisher. These days with sites like Lulu, you could self-publish a book in a month. The ability to video market, the, other, the, the fact that we've all got a, a great camera, a video camera on our phones, on our smartphones, all of a sudden means that it's easy to create video content. So what we're seeing is this proliferation of people being able to create content. So now the challenge is to create quality content. And that's how you stand out. And this is something that big companies still don't get, right? Do you see that with big corporates? They still kind of do the, you know, bug outbound marketing, they try to shove stuff down people's throats. Do you, do you see that still? Oh, yeah. Extraordinary. I mean, it amazes me. I, um, I, you know, every now and then I think, I think why? And then I just kind of remind myself of days in corporate and they're just big, big ships to turn. And, and, and not only are they big ships to turn in that there's a lot of people, processes and there's people who are there to got to, you got to tick that box and it's got to go on to someone else and they've got to tick the box and they're busy and blah, blah. What I see, this is a generalization, but it's almost the bigger the company, the greater the fear of change. And, and that's why I love small business is because you can't afford to be fearful. You've got to try things. And if they don't work, you've got to pivot and change your, your direction, try something new or alter what it is you've tried. And maybe not give it up completely, but alter what you maybe alter a headline or a, an approach you're taking to a, a video that you're producing, or whatever it may be. But you've, the flexibility is great. And whereas the big guys are just, I don't know, I, I made a, I gave a presentation to a bank uh, last night and um, afterwards, you know, I was talking to one of the branch managers of this banking chain, and she said, "You know, we've got a fa- we've got a Facebook, but um, every post she wants to make on her Facebook, she has to get approval from head office. Imagine that! You know, you and I get onto Facebook and go bang, 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 and within ten seconds, you've you've sent something out to the world. She has to write it, email it to head office, wait for someone to either approve it, deny it, or 
comment on it, send it back to her before she... I mean, that's just like... That's unsocial media. Yeah. Like, I think the structure they do is they try to silo it into a department under PR. I, I think I get the feeling that's what big companies are still doing. Some some siphon it into IT, which I think is absolutely hilarious. It's like... Oh, really? Well, you do social media <laughs> on a computer. Uh, what's another department in within our organization that has... Com- oh, the IT guys have got computers. <laughs> you know, it's like, come on. Come on, get serious. All right, so let's let's get on track in here. So you know we're approaching marketing with the publishing mentality, and so kind of you know where should like a small business even start to like generate content, and you know how do they get their foothold online and their voice heard? So okay, so acknowledgement that content is a good place is a good way to market yourself, and by content we mean um, information that helps people make a decision. So I think the simplest way is blogging. I actually like audio, so you know, I was kind of thinking you know it's actually really easy to to interview people, which is, you know, you're, you're creating content right now. How easy is that? We don't, no grammar, no, no, no typing. No, we're just sitting at a microphone and, and jabbering away. Um, so, you know, blogging, get your iPhone, get, download iTalk, although you've got voice memo on iPhone anyway, but I use iTalk, 99 cent app. Get out there and start interviewing some people. And if you don't want to, you then go and turn that into a podcast, then go and find a transcriber on Fiverr and get that turned into blog posts, you know. Go and answer the 10 most frequently asked questions that you get asked by prospects and record a video response to each on your MacBook. You know, look at just look to camera and record a response to each of those questions. Just yesterday, I got sent an email from a listener to my show, Small Business Big Marketing, who was incredibly proud of a, of a, of a short 90-second video that that he created. Now, he's a guy, he's got a coffee business in Queensland, Australia. One man show, sells coffee beans and coffee machines. He'd created a video on his iPhone of him frothing milk for a cappuccino. And the title of the video was how to create well-frothed milk for your cappuccino, which I'm sure is a highly searched term, yeah? So he's gone and created this video. He's put some very simple supers on it using iMovie. He has gone and then done a nice description, linked to his website. He did that two months ago. He's got 24,000 views with a lovely call to action at the back end saying, if you want to talk coffee, if you want to buy beans, if you want to buy a machine, here's my phone number, here's my email. What, what incredibly useful content. Yeah, exactly. And that's really about building trust with your audience and customers too, right? Whereas, you know, if you see internet marketing kind of 10 years ago, it was very spammy and hypey and, and it's very, it's changed in the past couple of years, right? I think, I think what's changed, Terry, is the audience. I think we as consumers, as the general public, are much more marketing literate. I think our bullshit radar is much higher these days. We can sniff... We can sniff someone who's, you know, just trying to um, sell us immediately a mile off. And I just think that's, I think that's what's happening. Yeah, exactly. And that's why kind of when I see these, like, you go to like places like the Warrior Forum, they're like, oh, make 10,000 in 10 minutes. I just look at that and I just laugh. I'm like, like, come on, it's 2012, right? I know. And, you know, exactly. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, get over it, guys, move on. You know, you're stuck in the, you're stuck in the early you know, naughties. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. So on small business marketing, uh, you interview a lot of small... Small, small business, no, big marketing. Sorry, sorry. Small business, big marketing. .com. <laughs> <laughs> so, so on the show, you interview a lot of business owners. Kind of what are some of the themes you see uh, in terms of the problems they have as they're doing marketing? Well, 
Okay, so the premise of Small Business Big Marketing, my show, is that I identify small business owners who are actually cranking out really good marketing of some sort. That's the premise for coming on my show. Whilst they may raise problems, uh, they don't very often because they're highly successful people already. They're highly driven and that's almost, you know, why I've identified them to come on the show. As of right now, I've interviewed 102 small business owners that are actually doing really good marketing. The consistent themes of all of those guests have included the fact that they take action. <laughs> you know, they just, they have a real go. They've put effort into building a brand, not just a business. And I believe you build a brand, you buy a business, you register a business name, but you actually put effort into building a brand and you do that by emotionally engaging people in what you do. And you emotionally engage people by creating good quality content. Another consistent theme is that they're, they have courage. They have marketing courage. I'll give you some examples. I interviewed a guy recently who started a business called Big Richard Condoms. Great name for a business. Um, and you go, and, and already, you know, it's, it's a condom bis- business, so you can argue he can be risque and <laughs> you, just got the, you just got the name, did you? Big Richard. Yeah, it's it's, it's funny because I interviewed another condom business owner a couple of month, months ago too. So I'll talk about that later. Okay, <laughs> so this guy's name's Lloyd. Now Lloyd's a great business. He's got some very risque broadcast quality TV commercials that he actually didn't run on TV. He runs on YouTube, getting hundreds of thousands of hits. Um, they've co- they, they cost him three hundred dollars each to produce. One's an animated TV commercial. The other one is a fairly um, is almost soft porn. He's just challenging the conventions of the category, if you like. And he's got a condom delivery truck that he drives through the streets of Sydney. And if he pulls up against uh, alongside a couple in a car, he'll jump out and throw some condoms in the front window. You know, like he's building a great boutique condom brand. Another guy, um, an online wine retailer called Vino Mofo. Fantastic name so true to his brand all the copies really in your face aggressive copy he challenged the convention of the wine industry with vino mofo because what he felt as a wine lover was that the wine industry was up itself in the way it spoke about bouquets of black currant and you know the essences of it. Yeah, it's very up, kind of uptight and kind of very... <laughs> so he's gone, you know what? I'm going to start this brand called Vino Mofo. I'm going to sell wine online. He subsequently, 12 months ago, got bought by the biggest group buying site in Australia called Catch of the Day. Great example of brand. Um, I've interviewed Brian Singer, who owns Rip Curl. At some point, Rip Curl actually was a small business that operated in a little shed down on the Great Ocean Road near Bells Beach in Victoria. He was making 10 wetsuits a week in order to fund his next surfing safari. And he just talks about the passion of what he was doing and never, ever, ever had in mind that one day he was going to be building this global surf brand called Rip Curl. It just goes on and on. You know, um, a, a, a couple of guys, a guy I interviewed recently called, his name's Fabian from a company called the Little Veggie Patch Company. This guy is a gardener, right? And he came up with the idea with a mate who's a landscape architect as well to install uh, apple crates in people's backyards, plant them up with seasonal vegetables and um, then come around once every three months and renew it and et cetera, et cetera. This is com- it was completely online business and a subscription model, S-commerce. And um, he'd written a book uh, and that's how I found him. He just this beautiful coffee table book about veggie patches, entire online business. He talk about S-commerce. This is what I love, you know, like Big Richard Condoms, who would have ever thought that you could have a subscription model for condoms? But sure enough, he's got three types of packages. I love the I love 
packaging things up because I think it shows value. And just ask McDonald's. They've been doing it for years. You have a monthly subscription model to condoms. The brown paper bag arrives every month and you, your, your, your bank account gets debited the amount. And I just think it's incredibly clever. And, um, you know, one thing we can learn from the big guys is, is stuff like that because they've been doing it for years. Yeah, and one thing they're doing is they're taking a really different creative angle too, right? They're not just saying, oh, look at my business, you know, here's what I do. Absolutely. They're, they're engaging people. They're um, reading a book at the moment all about storytelling, the power of the power of storytelling, you know, if you kind of think about it in a marketing sense, storytelling is incredibly powerful. So those stories that I just told about people that I've that I've interviewed on small business, big marketing, I, I could have instead just explained to you what the show was, and that would have been nowhere near as interesting as me telling you some stories about people that I've interviewed. As online marketers, as marketers generally, we we should pay more attention to our story and our kind of why it is what we do. Yeah, and so let's drag this into social media a little bit so you know when you were still in corporate there was no social media right and I, I get the feeling social media it's kind of overhyped not that it's not useful but that I think it's easy to devote too many resources into it what do you what do you think about that 100% 99% agree I am on the hunt always for small businesses that are really nailing social media and let me tell you, they are hard to find. I find big businesses, ironically, that are nailing it. Like, for example, Virgin Australia, our local airline, domestic airline. I love the way they use Twitter. It's 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 a channel for complaining, and they manage it real time. So if I'm at an airport and I've had bad service, or you know, missed a plane, or whatever, you can get on and to Twitter and to Virgin Australia and, and complain or ask a question. They're onto it. So that's really clever use. I interviewed a guy who owns a, a company in Australia called Black Milk, Black Milk Clothing. Black Milk. They've got it's a small business that make leggings for for women. They've got 160,000 followers on Facebook and I actually said to him, if, if, um, and they sell all their product through Facebook and through their website, um, either, but you can buy via both channels. They have no retail outlets. It's an online business. And I actually said to Cameron, if you had to choose between a website and Facebook as the storefront for your business, what would you choose? And he said Facebook, which I thought was really interesting because I think that's really dangerous because you don't own Facebook. But... That was a, that was a, a unique example of a, of a small business that is really crushing it with their social media. But as a general rule, and I've been as guilty of this as anyone, I'd hate to think the amount of time I've I've invested in the various social media channels. But I also can justify it because I'm a marketing guy and I need to know about it. But boy, oh boy, in terms of um, return on investment, it can be a, a pretty uh, a, can be it can show up some pretty ugly numbers. Yeah, you know. <laughs> so I mean, <laughs> small businesses getting started, they would obviously ask you, you know, how do you measure the ROI of social, right? Is there even a right way to do that? I don't really know the answer to that question because you could go, well, you could measure it via sales, you could measure it via, engage, via engagement. One area of great ROI within social media is this term that I've coined called marketing voyeurism. So the background of that is that having grown up in large corporates and sat in many research groups, and I don't know whether our listeners, your listeners will know what I'm talking about, but you know, every now and then you'll go, you'll sit behind a one-way mirror 
and watch a group of your customers talk about your brand in a research group and it's completely manufactured. You know, like that doesn't happen in real life. People don't sit around talking about your brand in real life. They've been paid to attend. They've been given 50 bucks to roll up and drink red wine and eat chips and been asked a few questions. But what social media allows us to do is that in real time, in virtual time, and also it's honest. It's what people are saying. So what I mean by that is go to the search box on Twitter or Facebook or YouTube, or LinkedIn, key in your name, your brand, products or services that you sell, keywords around the industry in which you operate and see what people are saying. And then all of a sudden that's free market research and very high return on your investment because, wow, you know, to get that kind of insight, that's valuable. And, and that's one thing that I really love about social media is that aspect of kind of marketing voyeurism. Especially Twitter and these channels where everyone's updating stuff, you're literally plugging into everyone's brains by the search box yeah. too. So. Yeah. So for example, you know, like if you sell, um, let's say you're an accountant and you want to get a sense of what people are saying around particular terms about tax returns or about um, registering business names, key in those key words and see what people are saying. Listen to the tone of how they're saying it. Are they angry? Are they confused? Are they excited? Because that'll give you a sense of how they feel about what it is that you have to sell. And that's really powerful because then you can structure good marketing around that. Yeah, and it's crazy that it's free because businesses used to pay tons of money just to do this research, right? Tons. <laughs> they still do, the big ones. You, just, you know, this is hilarious. You go to the search it's box, like, right? Just spend the whole day there. Yep, correct. Yeah. And like, correct. it's funny, like, even with e-commerce products, you know, you search, say, candles, right? You go to t Twitter, you search candles, you see all these women that post candles that they use, you know, they're using it with the bathtub, with wine. Instantly, you'll know who your consumer is. And it's just fascinating that you have these tools now. And so, so what are some things you would avoid, you would advise people to avoid doing uh, when you're marketing online? Uh, things to avoid when marketing online. Be patient, number one. One of the things with old school marketing was that you could generally get a response immediately. So let's say we ran an ad in the local paper, you would expect that ad to appear today and the phone to ring tomorrow it would very quickly trickle out as that local paper became next week's fish and chip wrapper. Whereas with uh, marketing online, it's a slower burn. So, so be patient and don't give up. Avoid selling. Focus on publishing good quality content and avoid that hard pitch sale, that stuff you talked about that you see on warrior forums. Um, a lot of those headlines and a lot of those old copywriters, I think uh, those lessons they're teaching are becoming a bit dated. Don't write for an online audience because I'm not an online audience is also an offline audience. At the end of the day, the common denominator is that we're human beings. <laughs> and I know that sounds really obvious, but it's like, I, I think sometimes we, well, you know, in years gone by, we'd try, we'd, we'd try and write for the search engines. I mean, Google is now smart enough that they don't require us to write for the search engines, to keyword stuff, to, to, to try and manipulate the, the outcomes. Be yourself, be yourself and create your own brand. There's a great saying which applies to anyone who's out there trying to build a brand, which is people can copy what you do, but not who you are. Okay, so the premise of that is like, you know, whatever it is you're selling, there's someone already selling it, and there's gonna be someone tomorrow who's also gonna start selling it, right? So that's just a given. So focus on creating a brand of who you are and not what you do. I think that's a really important one. Other things to avoid when marketing online, avoid not changing, <laughs> avoid becoming complacent. I'm not good at this, but uh, I know the guys who continue to test and measure and change have great success. 
Um, because that's one of the great things about online, you know, you, nothing's set in stone. You know, it's not like old school where you went and had to print a brochure and then you got stuck with a thousand copies. You can change as often as you like online. Don't try and do everything yourself is another big, big one. In today's world, I love this whole concept of the virtual marketing team. Clearly, outsourcing is how you do that, but surround yourself with specialists. Don't try and be the guy who writes the copy, who designs the logo, who sets up the WordPress site, who establishes the AdWords campaign, who writes the online press releases, who record, who edits the video. I've been there. It does your head in. And whilst you may enjoy it, doing all those things, and whilst you may be good at it, although I would challenge anyone who says they're good at all of those things, and I mean really good, not just the ability to do it, but actually do it well, you're just spreading yourself too thin. And there are people in the world, and this is the beautiful thing about the global village, that there are people out there who can, who are willing, who all they want to do is edit video. And there's other people who all they want to do is write online press releases. And they're relatively inexpensive. <laughs> so since you talked about press releases, I want to touch up into that a little bit. So uh, I've, I've heard on Freedom Motion that you've talked about press releases with James. And so kind of, mm-hmm. so, so if I, how does it actually work? Because I can't grasp, put my head around. It's very old school and something I haven't really figured well, out. Well, uh, a press release is old school. So a press release is, um, basically what a press release is, is it's a, it's a one pager that shares news, something newsworthy. For example, PR Web is one. And what you do is you write a press release, you a, a newsworthy article, you put some links in it, you have a boilerplate which describes who you are and what it is you do, and then you hit send and it gets distributed to media outlets everywhere that are on, for example, PR Web's database. So we might be talking about the New York Times, the Chicago Tribune, blogging sites, um, magazines, TV stations, you name it. They've got to fill column centimeters or airtime 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So they're always looking for news. So for example, let's say you send a press release today, it might get picked up by, you know, it wouldn't be unusual for it to get be picked up by thousands, tens of thousands of media outlets around the world. It might appear on their home page for 30 seconds or 30 minutes or a day. Then it gets bumped back into the heart of the website, you know, into the depths of that website. So that's how it works. Um, I'll give you a story. I interviewed um, a guy who, there was actually a couple in Sydney who have a product. This is quite funny. They have a product called Starletto's, right? Now, Starletto's is a very benign product, Terry. It's, if you've ever worn high heels, and I'm guessing... Um, <laughs> Can't say I have. <laughs> um, so, when women wear high heels and walk on grass, they sink into the grass. Oh, yeah. So, so, yeah, yeah. so Starletto's is this bit of plastic that you attach, you attach to the heel and it stops women from sinking into the grass, right? They sent an online press release using PR Web. They got picked up by thousands of media outlets around the world and got some media coverage. But what also happened was that the organisers of the Emmy Awards saw their press release, rang the guys from Starletto's and asked whether they could put Starletto's in the show bag of every Emmy Award nominee. So, you know, that's huge. That's huge. All as the result of a $300 press release. That's the power of them. And you do it for two reasons. You do it in the hope that media outlets will pick you up and want to do a story about you. Well, three reasons that they want to do a story about you. The second one is that they just publish your press release and you get coverage. And the third reason is you get backlinks. And so I guess the mentality is it's like throwing 
stones in a pond. And you just keep throwing it and throwing it, and then eventually someone will pick it up, right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. And, you know, one of the other things, you know, the online world is it's a haystack, you know, and you're a needle. Yeah. And unless you work hard at, at blowing your own trumpet, no one's going to find you. I get the feeling press releases is kind of not as touched upon compared to like the other channels of online marketing. So yeah, yeah no, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. And um, you know, it is only a channel, but it's it's a it's a relatively good channel for the reasons I described. But there there's no shortage of channels, you know. And once again, you know, it's about testing. It's about rolling up the sleeves and trying different things and seeing what works. And if something doesn't work, and not everything will work, but if something doesn't work, it doesn't mean it's wrong. It may be that your your execution was wrong for example so you got to keep kind of refining okay i see yeah because this is something that i think you know if you see someone else doing it like i think dan andrews calls this their rip pivot and jam model so where you take something that works for someone else but you kind of re-pivot it take the same model and do it for you too yeah so. yeah 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 exactly so you like like this show i'm basically doing the mixergy model on this show basically <laughs> like you know how he interviews really big tech entrepreneurs i yeah, do yeah. e-commerce businesses and i tell them you know how you guys built your business where do you get your products made uh, stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, he's um prolific. Um, Dan Warner, is Dan Warner, uh, Dan Andrews, Dan and uh, no uh, Mixer G guy. Oh, Mixer G Dan. Uh, oh, Andrew Warner, Andrew, Andrew Warner. Warner. Yeah. yeah, Dan Warner is a singer in a local group down here. Um, <laughs> yeah, Andrew's prolific. Interesting. Yeah, you know, I've I've sought inspiration from Mixer G, and I'm torn. I, I I'm guessing it's a successful business model for him, and I'm guessing. It's been good on a number of levels for him, but yeah. his interviews are very long. I don't understand why he does the whole video thing. Because um, yeah. I think now, you know, putting someone in front of a YouTube video for 10 minutes is just impossible, right? Well, he does it for an hour. <laughs> yeah, I know, exactly. So I think I've only watched probably one or maybe two videos. This is why I'm such a proponent of podcasting. In fact, I'm, I'm putting together a consulting business called getyourownshow.com.au and it's working. I get a lot of people asking me how I've done what I've done with small business, big marketing. Um, I'm getting asked a lot. So I'm t- I've turned that into a business and people say, oh, can you do me a video show? And I say, no, I don't. I, no, I can't. I feel so strongly about the audio medium. Not to say there's nothing wrong with video. I mean, Google-like video, they bought YouTube, but um, video is a good thing, but there's more barriers to people doing it. And I get a lot of mail from listeners who, I, I often get a mail saying, oh, Tim, I listen to you when I'm all hot and sweaty. And whilst I, I wish that was, you know, that 21-year-old blonde, I know what they're saying is that the next line is going to say that they're in the gym uh, or they're going for a walk or they're exercising. And this is the beauty of podcasting is that people can listen to you on a commute while they're exercising, while they're in bed, while they're doing other things, whereas video requires people to lean into a screen. Yeah, even blogging too, where you need to actually read. And you know, the whole world's going mobile too. It makes sense. It's just the whole model and the timing of everything. It's like a big nexus too. That, that's great news. You know, it's great news that Apple launched a podcast app you know, two months ago. It's great news that podcasting is just generally becoming a better known term. It's great news that, you know, all the big radio shows now are available via podcast, you know. So slowly but surely, you know, the word's getting out. I could talk about podcasting forever. I just think yeah. it, I just <laughs> think Save that for another day. <laughs> yeah, 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 correct. Yeah. All right, so, so before we end up here, you know, any last words you want to tell anyone that's maybe doing their online marketing but they're not getting the results they're looking for yet wow you know like yeah lots just keep going i mean like it sounds like so obvious like just follow your passion is kind of what just comes to mind when you ask me that question because there'll be some people i I just think here's what i think do it for the right reasons 
I, I think we've all probably entered some aspect of online marketing thinking it's Aladdin's cave. It's like, ha, I'm going to become an online marketer. I'm going to make a million dollars. That's bullshit. That is bullshit. Do it for the right reasons. Do stuff that you love and not you, that you think is going to get you rich. This is another, an absolute consistent theme of the 102 small business owners that I've interviewed on Small Business Big Marketing is that they've all done something they love. None of them have gone, oh, I entered this into this business because, oh, I don't know, someone didn't want to do it and I picked up the reins. They all did it because it started off as a passion. I think the beautiful thing about online marketing is it does allow you to niche, to niche down. And I love concepts of niches, you know, like an inch wide and a mile deep. Focus your efforts on that and, and become known as, as, a, as a real opinion leader and expert in that niche. And, um, you know, I just, that's what I'd say. Just be passionate about it and do it for all the right reasons. Yeah, and like, you know how you mentioned the bullshit meter everyone has now? I mean, you can really see passion in people's projects too, very yeah. easily now, online too. So. Well, so, you lose the online. When when someone's passionate, you see it, you know? When, when, you, when you're listening to someone, when you're reading about, when you see watching someone, reading someone, when you meet someone, you, you can very quickly tell whether what they're talking to you about, they're passionate about, or whether they're just towing the line. And as a small business owner, be passionate because it's your business, you know? There should be high, passion should be incredibly high in small business because in corporate, there's a lot of people just toeing the line. Yeah, exactly. All right. All right. Thanks so much, Tim. So where can we find your show and kind of about uh, more about what you do online? Cool. So uh, they can visit um, smallbusinessbigmarketing.com, which is my flagship podcast that I've been doing for three years now. Incredibly proud of it and, um, and just love that. And I put out a show every Tuesday of every week of every year. They can visit getyourownshow.com.au if they want to um, find out more about um, how to get their own show and work with me on a one-on-one basis and my and my team. And Freedom Ocean is the other, uh, freedomotion.com, which is a, a one I do with James Shramko, which is all about internet marketing. So there's a few channels to find me and um, come through and say hi, you know. All right, very cool. Thanks so much, Tim. Absolute pleasure, Terry. Thanks, mate. To get more information about running an online store, visit our website at buildmyonlinestore.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Build My Online Store podcast.